Bible to John chapter 15. Praise the Lord. It said, this is Jesus speaking. It says, I am, now listen really carefully, very important for our lives today to hear what Jesus is telling us. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes. This is from the NIV. So, he prunes it so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must be remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to my disciples. Praise the Lord. So he's talking about bearing fruit and the lengths to which the gardener goes to bear fruit in us. Turn to uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. I'm going to tie these three different Scripture locations together in my message. This is from the New American Standard Version of the Bible. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 through 26, it says, For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. So what are the deeds of the flesh? What are the things that the flesh that's in us wants to do? Idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy. Now listen to this one. This is one... Um, I can't teach on every one of the fruit of the Spirit and every one of the um, um, lustful desires that are wanting to come out in us, but there's one I'm going to focus on this morning as an example. The, it says in the New American Standard, it says, outbursts of anger. Everybody say, oh no. <laughs> outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarn you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience is one I want to really focus on this morning. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with all of its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, and envying one another. And Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry, stopping there. Now turn to Mark chapter 5, verse 5. I promise you I can tie these three together. 
So the first one talks about the lengths at which God, as a gardener, is, is, is working on us to produce fruit in us, much fruit. It's his goal in our life is to produce fruit. The second one talks about the fruit that we would develop left on our own. How many know we would develop a certain kind of fruit without him in us, working through us? And it talks about the fruit that he's working so hard to develop, what it looks like in our life, wants to produce. Now, God brought me this scripture, which when I heard it, I thought, wow, you know, I'm not sure how I'm going to tie that in there. But it says, Jesus went with him and many people followed him and and were around him. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians or doctors. She had spent all the money that she had and was not any better, and she was actually growing worse. When Jesus heard this, he came in, and the press was behind him, and she touched his garment. She said, If I may but touch his clothes, I will be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, And she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague or disease. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press of the people and said, Who touched me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would pour this message into the hearts, Lord God. Hide me. Lord, lift up yourself. Glorify yourself, Lord. Lord, cause this word to be effective in every heart, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, The King James Version says that virtue flowed out of Jesus. The title of my message is Flowing Virtue. Now some of your translations will say that power flowed out of Jesus, or healing power flowed out of Jesus, or virtue flowed out of Jesus. And God just began to... um, take this word this week and just begin to show me, he said, just begin to tell me that that virtue that is flowing out of Jesus, when anybody touched Jesus, the the virtue flowed out of him and it was a healing power. It was a healing virtue that flowed out of him. And what God is saying is he wants his virtue to flow out of us. God wants when people come into contact with us, when people touch us, when people communicate with us, when people have to live around us every day in our home or where we work, God wants His virtues to flow out of us. Because how many know, and God said, just begin to read the fruit of the Spirit one more time. And I want you to begin to look at that fruit because all of these fruits have healing power. Have you ever thought about that? The fruit of the Spirit, those virtues that God is trying to create in us, that character, only comes from God. And as you begin to look at this fruit of the Spirit, it's all healing things. In fact, you know that in the it says in eternity, there will be trees on either side and they have the power to heal the nations. It's not the first time God said that there's a powerful healing that's in this fruit that's coming out of us. He wants to develop it in us because if He doesn't, each one of these have the power to heal people around you. How many know that? If you can somehow 
get a hold of the virtue of love, do you realize that it has the power to heal? Literally has the power to heal. Do you realize if you can get a hold of the virtue that's called joy? And I could preach on each one of these. Because how many know, you say, Pastor Chad, are you the fountain of which these things flow? (laughs) Nobody was asking that, right? Okay, good. But here's the thing. Each one of these have a unique way that they have to be developed and extracted within us. And each one of them, you have to isolate each one and begin to read the Bible and say, how is the Spirit going to accomplish the work to have these virtues flow from me? How can love flow in me, undeterred, uninhibited, and somehow flow back out of me, His love to other people? Because that's what He's trying to tell us. He's trying to tell us how to get rid of our rotten nasty fruit that we normally naturally would have if you don't believe that we would normally naturally have envy strife and just go spend some time in a daycare go for a day in a daycare and just see how selfish you really are see how envious you really are see how little you like to share things with other people because our nature is like rotten fruit And every day we all hand each other rotten fruit. But what a refreshing thing it is when somebody has the virtues of Jesus Christ and it flows in their life. Peace, though. You ever been around people that are truly peacemakers? I mean, really know how to make peace and really know how to keep peace and really know how to be peaceful people, and it's healing I mean, it's like you can go into an environment that is really charged. Some people call it, uh, if you want to use a psychological term, de-escalation. Boy, it's nice to have one of those de-escalators in the room when everything's escalating. It's like healing. It's like, how did you turn that person who is violent and ready to destroy the place and tear it up, how did you just with peace disarm that situation and bring healing? You know you can do that, right? A peaceful person, a person that truly has the virtue of peace can do that. A person who knows how to love, like Jesus loved, they're able to heal people. And then as you go along the line here, joy, you say, man, that's just having a good time, right? That's just fun, or that's just being happy, or that's just always looking on my face like I'm happy, whether I am or not. Not joy. Joy is something we have to discover in the Bible, and it's so much different than a good time. You know, it's so much different than things are going right. It's so much different than circumstances and environment. But God wants us to have that fruit developed. And each one of these, as you go in each one, and I could go over each one individually, but they're all things that heal. And this woman is diseased. This woman is suffering. This woman has issues that she cannot overcome. And she knows that if she can just come in contact with the man of God, she can come in contact with the Son of God, she would be healed. And you know, he's got this robe on, and this robe has special significance. And you know what? The robe that you are wearing today has the same significance. You put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. 
And what God is telling us today is if we can find out how to allow the Spirit's power to flow through us and develop virtue in our life, everybody that touches us is going to feel that healing virtue. And everywhere we go, people are going to be healed because of the virtue that flows from us. And it makes me shake my head. Me? Think about it. I mean, it's easy to think of somebody you may know that has virtuous qualities, but can we think of ourselves that way? To be healers? That we can love that way, we can have peace that way, we can have joy that way. All these things can be developed in us. And God began to um, birth this in my heart. Um, I like to be really honest with you, okay? I don't want to... I don't want to uh, ever be elevated beyond a person that is learning to be this, okay, and working really hard to be this. And you know, 25 years ago, I wasn't the same person that I am now. I'm still not the person I'm wanting to be and what God wants me to be. But 25 years ago, I was a lot different. And uh, I was sitting at a ball game the other night, and as I was at the ball game, the basketball game, I just, for the first couple of games of the year, I just kept hearing this angry voice, kept yelling from the stands. And it was all negative and it was all directed toward my son. And the one thing I realized was that voice was always coming from our sidelines. And so immediately, Part of it's being a protective dad. Part of it is just a really proud sinner. I'm just being honest. And I determined the next game I was going to figure out where that voice kept coming from. And so finally I figured out who it was. And so my side of the story is I nicely was going to let him know that that's, that's not something he should be doing for our team. Now inside of me, there's still a filthy sinner that loves to fight. And I'm just being honest with you. It's when you grow up sometimes, the Bible says that uh, iniquity is twisted in the wrong direction. You're, you're functionally not able to function the way God wants because you're twisted in a certain way. And growing up, I was twisted badly when the Lord found me. 25 years ago, I was twisted. Every time something, um, situation occurred like that, and there was a situation that needed to be dealt with immediately, something rose up into me. And you've seen the movie The Incredible Hulk, right? And David Banner just gets a little bit mad, and all of a sudden the clothes start coming off. And I can honestly tell you, inside of me, that's what happens. And you, some of you can relate to that. And I walked up to the dad, and like I said, a part of it is just being a good dad and a good teammate, you know, parent of a child on the team, but another part of it was I just really enjoy the conflict. And I'm being totally honest with you. And so I sit next to him and I said, hey, I just want to let you know that you're not helping the team when you yell at the guys on our team and when you, you, when you cut them down. And he turned to me and he said, I'll do whatever I want to do. I paid my money to be here. And then I tried to say again real nicely, you know, you're not helping the team. Again, he snapped back at me. And again, 
I said, look, let me be straight to the point. You're saying it just about my son, nobody else. And then he still kind of snapped back at me. And I'll be 100% open here. Immediately what flashed in my mind was to grab him by the neck. body I'm not, I'm not joking here. Body slam him and make sure it never happens again. How many can relate to what I'm saying? And everything in me reverted back to five years ago. In fact, my kids will tell you, I was so mad. I mean, I, I walked away and just kind of said, do what you're going to do, and I walked away unhappy. But inside of me, everything was just fuming. And I went home, and I, and, and, and I actually went home and said to myself, it was so much easier 25 years ago. 25 years ago, the problem would be solved. Nobody would do that. I walked in the room and there would be respect. And I kept thinking that for the next several hours and I fantasized how wonderful it would feel. Just, I'm not even, I wish I were trying to be funny, but I'm really not. And something inside of me, that old nature I was talking about before, the nature that is rotten, the nature that the Bible says your anger does not accomplish the will of God. And everything in me was that old nature, and the old nature was rising up, and the old nature was saying, do it. And I had cheerleaders behind me. Do it. Do it. It'll be wonderful. It'll be great. Do it. Do you know the repercussions that I would have if I did that? I mean, literally, repercussions you cannot even imagine. I would never be allowed to a game. I'd get arrested. I'd be fired from my job. There would be nothing left. But my nature was saying, it's the right thing to do. It feels good. Do it. And so anyway, out of that, the Holy Spirit just started dealing with me. I talked to Rick the other night, and we were talking to each other, and he said, yeah, I almost got in an accident because of something somebody did on the road. And we were talking about that nature. You know, the nature to be angry, the nature to be quick to anger, and the nature to just rise up And here's the problem with anger. Here's the problem with that short-tempered nature is it's the easy thing to do. So what's going to happen is you're going to go home to your family and you're going to have a situation where you get frustrated and you're going to be ready to explode and the easiest thing to do is explode. It's not the smart thing to do. It's not the wise thing to do. It's not the best thing to do. It's the quick and the easy thing to do. And you just got off the hook really quick and destroyed everything. And you're going to go to work and you're going to have an issue. You're going to get mad. And you're going to be like that little kid at the daycare center. You're going to be mad. Somebody took your toy. Somebody treated you wrong. Somebody afflicted you in the wrong way. Somebody did the wrong thing to you. And the quickest and the fastest thing to do is short-tempered. I'm going to go after it with everything i got because that's just who I am. And everything in heaven, everything that God is saying is don't do it. Don't do it. There's a better way. There's something I'm trying to develop in you. Something I'm trying to change about you. But everything says do it. And everywhere you go, you're going to be threatened with this situation. All of these fruit of the Spirit are to help you build relationships with the people you love. They're there to build relationships with the God you love. They're there to build the relationships with the the husband, the wife, the parents, the children. 
Everybody that you love dearly, if you do not allow God to let virtue flow from you, it will literally destroy everything about you as a Christian. Everything about you. So what God wants to do is, He wants to begin to do a work in you. So I start praying, I said, God, what is the opposite? How many have ever been so mad you can't even hardly think? And so I just started praying, God, what is the opposite of this? Because I feel like I've went back 25 years here. What is the opposite? What is the opposite? What is the opposite? I kept thinking, what is it? Man, what is it? And then I was looking at that scripture I read this morning. I immediately identified my condition. Galatians 5.17 says, Idolatry, that's not it. Sorcery, that's not it. Enmities, that's not it. Strife, not really yet. Jealousy, yeah, I think there's part of that is mixed in there. Outbursts of anger. No, that's not it. Dissensions, dispute, outbursts of anger. Man, this ability to be short-tempered, have an outburst, just explode. How many feel this? Come on, be honest. I've got to have more people. There's some people who have never gotten angry. How many have ever felt the outburst of anger against your kids, spouse, parents, workers at work? Outbursts of anger. So I recognized it. Now what is the opposite? What is the antidote to this? Fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. No, no. Patience. Patience. That means I can't do something quickly. That means there's something here that I have to do slowly, okay? The patient word is macrothumia. You know what it means? The exact opposite of short temper, it's long temper. It means, yeah, I might be angry, but I'm not to sin. I might be angry, but I'm going to take this compressed anger of short-temperedness and I'm going to spread it out so far it just dissipates to nothing. And another word that um, the Bible uses uh, to translate that is a word called long-suffering. And it says it's an attribute that God has. In fact, when God wanted to show His glory and wanted them to see who He really was, it was love, it was mercy, it was grace, but long-suffering was one of the attributes that God is. So God's asking me to be like Him. He wants me to not be short-tempered. He wants me to have that long-suffering. And so God's trying to teach me the antidote here, so you're going to learn it with me. God's trying to teach me exactly what He wants me to have. It's defined as the proper Christian attitude or reaction in a variety of situations. This is from Vine's expository dictionary. It's been defined as the quality of self-restraint in the face of provocation that does not hastily retaliate or promptly punish someone. It is the opposite of anger and associated with mercy. Ouch. Here I was ready to retaliate ready to have anger, and God said that's the opposite of my nature. You're like pure, sinful nature when you do that. How many know that to be true? Did you realize that? Or did you think that was a godly quality? God just gets mad like the sons of thunder said and just 
wipes out every problem quickly. But God doesn't do that. God's long-suffering. God is patient. God is loving. God is merciful. And when we act like that around our children, when we act like that around our spouse, we act like that around our co-workers, we are the opposite of what God has called us to be. Now look at the book of James. James chapter 5, verse 1. I want you to see something really interesting here. He starts off talking about people that are oppressing and afflicting people. And he says, Come now, you rich, weep now for your misery upon you soon. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted and their rust will be a witness against you and consume your flesh like fire. It is the last days and you have stored up your treasures. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mold your fields and which have been withheld by you, they cry out against you, and the outcry of those who did the harvesting have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. Now this is an odd thing for him to kind of start this thing on patience about. But what James is trying to say is, you have been, you have had undeserved affliction. Now, how many have ever had undeserved affliction? These people were being afflicted. They weren't getting paid right. They weren't being treated right. The things that were happening to these people, it was not right. Now, how many have had anger? I feel like I'm in a Looney Tunes commercial all of a sudden. Did I hear? I thought I did. Okay. <laughs> was that Looney Tunes? Oh, was <laughs> You looking for it? Where's it at? I'll find it. Maybe I was the only one that could hear that. My hot husband, James. It's an interesting title. <laughs> All right. But James starts off with talking about a people that have been treated really badly. Now a lot of this anger, it usually happens, it doesn't always, it could just be your mood. Sometimes and usually it happens because something wasn't deserved that you were afflicted with. Somebody treated you in a way they should not have treated you, you should not have done that to me, you should not have drove, you should not have driven that way in front of me. should have never done that. So you owe them something because of the affliction that they put on you. Alright? You should not have treated me like that at work. You know, you should not have talked that way at a basketball game. Your wife should not have done this to you. Your husband should not have done that to you. Your pastor should not have done this to you. Your children should not act that way to you. And you realize how this fruit that we keep growing out of these situations is rotten. I mean, it's absolutely rotten. And James is trying to give advice to a people that have been afflicted. You know, they didn't have any legal recourse to get the wages back. They had no legal recourse to get back at these people that were mistreating them. So James just says, their reward is stored up. Don't worry about it. He says, don't worry about trying to get even with the people. Don't worry about trying to uh, uh, make it right because the day is coming that this is going to happen. Look where James goes with this. Yes, God hears your outcry. 
You have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts to, uh, in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and put to death the righteous man, and the righteous man is not even resisting you. Therefore, and he starts talking to the people that have been afflicted. Therefore, be what? Patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer, this is interesting. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it it gets the early and the late rains. You be patient too. Strengthen your heart. The coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is right at the door. So he gives us an example of a farmer and says, be patient. Now, when God wants to give us an example about working too hard and learning how to rest and renew your strength, He talks about an eagle. But God is pretty consistent when He talks about developing patience with this farming example. In fact, this example probably is right in line with John 15 where He talks about an actual tree farmer. And He talks about being patient because this farmer understands patience and if you the farmer, you will understand patience. Now how many know if you plant a tree like they're talking about planting in John 15, you don't plant a tree for today. You plant a tree for 20 years from now. So if you're up in years, you may not even plant that tree for yourself. You're planting for the joy that somebody's going to receive in the future. You know, if I want to plant a shade tree, I'm not expecting that shade in the next 10 years. Okay, so as you begin to understand patience in your life and you want to begin to, the whole purpose of this message is how do I acquire patience? How do I take this one fruit and how does God take away my short-tempered nature and how does he make me a patient person? That's the whole purpose of this. I'm taking one fruit, I could do it on each one of them and have a different message. But patience, I've got to learn from the farmer. I've got to learn from the tree and the vine. And so what begins to happen is, anybody has ever planted a fruit tree, you will know very rarely is a good fruit tree come from the original fruit stock. You almost always have a grafted fruit tree. An apple tree will be grafted. And so the first thing he says is, I am the vine. You are the branch. You want to see something really cool? I want you to begin... Put yourself in this position of patience, okay? And I want you to begin to see yourself like that vine, and I want you to see this beautiful apple stock. It has to be cut completely off. You've got a, you've got a root tree that's native to that area, and it does really well in the soil, but you have to cut the top of it off. To take the other tree, you have to cut the two pieces, you have to seam them together, tape them up, and guess what? The fruit tree will begin to end with the root tree. Now here's what's really amazing. Remember that virtue that was flowing out of Jesus? That sap will start to provide for the top. It's gonna, that's gonna become a fruit tree, but the sap is gonna come through the roots and it's gonna provide life to that fruit tree. And it's going to become a fruit tree above that graft. It's pretty amazing. It's going to keep the nature of the fruit tree. So because of the fact that I've been grafted to Jesus Christ, I'm going to bear fruit. 
And the sap that comes through me, that spirit that flows in me, is going to produce fruit if I don't stop it. It's just going to begin to flow in me. It's going to begin to change me. It's going to begin to put desires in me. That sap is going to be flowing in my veins, and that is the Spirit of God that is in Jesus Christ. And it's going to produce fruit, and it's going to begin to change me. And what's it going to produce? I'm going to become a more loving person, a more peaceful person, a more joyful person, and a more patient person. And so it begins to flow, and God begins to graft us into His nature. And he says, if you're not grafted into nature, you can't bear fruit. So the sap just begins to flow, but man, it's painful. I mean, when I cut the top of a tree off and just leave the roots, and I cut the bottom of the other tree off and just leave the top, doesn't that seem like that's not going to go well? Think about it. I just cut half of each tree off And I'm putting them together. And this is how painful it is when you begin to live for God. It's like, man, I've lived my whole life with this brain. And now he's cutting that lordship off and taking it away from me. Now he's the head. So the mind that I had before, it's gone. It's useless. It's dead. And now I've got a whole new control system here. He's now the Lord of my life. If He's not the Lord of your life, you haven't been grafted in. That's why He said, if you're not developing this fruit, if you're the original root system and the original top of it, the original brain, you can't inherit the kingdom of heaven. He said those branches will be picked up and thrown away. He said, but... If you're grafted into me, something's going to happen. But man, it it doesn't feel good, does it? It doesn't feel good to know that you've blown your top like you used to, and that's not acceptable anymore. Just not acceptable anymore because I'm grafted into Him. And now I think differently. Now I feel bad about it. I feel guilt over it. I feel like I need to change the way that I'm living my life. Why? Because sap runs through me that wasn't there before. I'm now a fruit tree. I was just a rootstock before, but now I'm a fruit tree and I'm made to bear fruit. Now here's something else that begins to happen. If you've ever taken care of fruit trees, something you have to begin to do is prune. And can I tell you something? I I actually bought most of my orchard is from Mail Order Catalog. And when you receive this bare stock in the mail, it looks like a dead little twig. It's about that long. Everything's been cut off of it. And you get it in the mail and you immediately think, I want my money back. When I first got one of those, I thought it was a ripoff. I thought, man, there's no way that that thing will grow. But then you can go to a local uh, nursery in a big department store by that same tree and it's blooming and will actually have fruit on it. And you'll take it home and you'll plant it. And guess which one grows faster? The bare twig that has nothing on it. Those things grow beautifully because they've been pruned by a master gardener. And Jesus said, I'm your gardener. But here's what's going to happen in your life. You say, man, I want to bear more fruit. 
and you've got all these beautiful limbs. He said, man, I'm finally growing in God. I'm finally growing in God. Look at me. I've got fruit. And you're like that department store tree. You've got beautiful limbs. You're growing a little bit of fruit. Looks like everything's going really well. And then all of a sudden, here comes God, the gardener. And He cuts you so many places. When I first came to the Lord, I had a lot of confidence in myself. I was like, man, I'm going to do so well. 20 years, I'm going to be doing this, I'm going to be doing that. There's ambition, there's pride, there's all those things. But God doesn't allow you to be like the department store tree. He's in the business of bearing fruit. And so what happens, things begin to be taken away from you like pride. Man, but I want everybody to look at me and think of me a certain way. Well, you can't really be using the kingdom if you do that. Well, I want I want esteem. I want power. I want money. I want all these different things along with the Lord, of course. And what God does is, and we don't understand it because we don't know the gardener. He starts cutting all these limbs off. Have you ever pruned a tree? How many have ever pruned a tree? How many have ever watched somebody prune a tree? Does it not look like they're killing the tree? It's like that tree is going to die. You can't cut that many limbs off of a tree. And you look at the tree and it's deformed. And it doesn't look right. And it makes you angry inside. You've ever got angry inside. It's like, you just killed my tree. Thank you. And isn't that what we do? Don't we get angry at God? And don't we say, God, why are you doing this? Why are you making me so mad? Why are you allowing these people to treat me the way they're treating me? Why does everybody treat me bad? Why does everybody treat me this way? Why is everybody doing this to me? God, why are you making me look so deformed? I'm living for you. Why are you letting me go through this? God is in the fruit business. His desire and His goal and His purpose is to produce that sap in you and that virtue to flow out of you that will heal the nations. And so he's trying to build fruit, but he's going to leave you looking deformed, disfigured. And you're going to say, man, this is, cannot be right. Do you understand the frustration of the tree? I mean, he's already been cut in half and he's got scars there. He's had everything cut off and he's angry. And he can, he'll, he'll be angry at God and he may give up if he doesn't understand the nature of the gardener, if he doesn't understand the work that God is doing in his life, and God cuts all that back, and, and here's the problem, there's two kinds of, there's two kinds of uh, limbs you have to cut when you're pruning. Okay? One is the sucker. Let me know that if you get limbs that come out below the graph line, that's a sucker. And if you have suckers on there, what are they going to do? They're going to drain the life out of you. Everything that would have normally gone to fruit production is below that graft, and it's going to something else. And they'll eventually kill the fruit, and they'll kill the tree. And all that fruit that's under there has to be cut off. It's the old nature. He said, man, but I want to hold on, but I want people to respect me. Fear me. Look at me with esteem. 
And God's saying, I just want you to bear fruit. I just want the people around you to know that they're loved. I just want you to have peace that passes understanding. I just want you to have joy that's so good you can't even speak about it. It's unspeakable. I want you to have patience. Now, I don't want patience. Nope. I'm never praying for patience, God. Never. How many, how many say that? I'm not praying for patience. Because in order to get patience, you have to be through the test. And so God is faithful. God is, sap is running through you. He's cutting out all those suckers. And you're like, man, pride? Why do you have to get rid of that? That's all I had going for me. Everybody looked at me the right way. I was proud of the way everybody looked at me. And God said, I just can't bear fruit in your life. That pride is going to destroy your relationship with your kids. You ever think about that? Your pride will destroy your work relationship with your kids. Your pride will destroy your relationship with your parents. Your pride will destroy your relationships with your co-workers. And God says, snip. You're like, man, that felt so good though. Everybody feared me. Everybody respected me. Everybody I thought looked at me this way. God said, man, I want the best for you. Snip. And then there's the other kind above the graph line. And, you know, God's analogies preach themselves. You don't even need me here. When you figure that out, I, I, I'm a, I fear what you'll do with me. But some of those limbs you cut off because you look at the sunlight and how it hits the tree, and you realize that the sunlight is being covered by limbs. Like you can have a fruiting branch that will never grow fruit because the sun is being blocked by another limb. And God said, you know, as long as that's there, you'll never grow fruit. And so what He does is He, some of these bigger limbs He starts cutting off and that's painful. And it's like, man, we got to really focus in on fruit production. You know, and He starts cutting off these important things that we think, man, that's going to be a fruiting limb there. Why are you cutting that one off? You know, I had something good going there. That was my ministry, God. That was my ministry and I really needed that. But see, here's the problem. These limbs are the limbs that are growing in the wrong direction. God didn't call you to that ministry, maybe. You know, God, you maybe, maybe your plan was, I'm going to have a lot of money and the kingdom's going to be blessed because I have so much money. God's saying, well, that limb is clearly growing in the wrong direction. You don't think so. But I know it's growing in the wrong direction. Cuts it off. And he doesn't explain each limb. He doesn't say, man, you're kind of deformed looking. You know, you don't look exactly, but man, I'll tell you what, when a tree is pruned right, and that spring comes down and that sun begins to shine, and I mean, that tree just begins to blossom. And I mean, it's got so much fruit, and he's cut the right ones off, and they're sitting at the right angles, and, and it can hold the weight of the fruit. And some of us, if we did it ourselves, we might have a lot of fruit in the limb. You know, or we might have no because there's too many limbs. Or we might have rotten fruit because of disease. Another thing he does, he cuts a lot of them off because the limbs actually rub other limbs and they rub them raw and they end up getting diseases. And you're saying, well, God, why did you cut that off? Why did you do this in my life? And God's like, trust the gardener. Trust me, I'm trying to make you a patient person. Let me give you another scripture here. 
Turn to uh, Matthew chapter 18. So the question immediately is, God, how, how do I become more patient? Matthew 18, verse 23 says, Therefore, the kingdom is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents, they say that this amount of talents is in the millions today. This guy owed him in the millions. Okay, a debt that was impossible for him to pay, okay? And he's trying to give us another example of patience that he expects from us. Expects, not hopes. He expects this fruit to be in our life. This guy owed him millions and was brought to the king. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him and said, Be patient with me. He begged, I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. And how emotional is that? Millions of dollars forgiven. My wife, my kids, myself, I'm saved. He showed me mercy. God's saying that's what He did for you. If you really understand, He he forgave your sins. He's always been long-suffering. He's always been slow to anger. He's always been loving and merciful and forgiving. He said, that's what I did to you. Now let's see how we respond. Because now somebody has done something to us, right? Now somebody has afflicted us, and they should never have done that. You should never have driven that way in front of me. You should never have done that to me at work. You should never have done that to me at a ball game. So how are we going to react given the fact that he just forgave millions? He says, here's how we react. The servant fell on his knees before him. No, hold on, I'm sorry. Verse 28. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, not a lot of money. See, he wasn't owed very much, right? He grabbed him and began to choke him. I relate to this guy. Grabs him by the neck. He's ready to body slam him, right? That's how we are, right? He didn't know him very much. All the guy did was said something negative at a ball game, and I wanted to choke him. We all agree. We all feel that at times. God's done all this for me in my life, and I'm ready to choke somebody that did something minor. That makes sense? Doesn't make sense. And he says, He began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Be patient with me, I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay his debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that happened. And the master called the servant in and said, You wicked servant, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. 
shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he paid back all that he owed. This is how the heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. That's one fruit of the Spirit. God wants that sap to come through us. He doesn't want it to be stopped, but He wants somehow that virtue to flow out of us that when people touch us... Now, how much greater would it have been if I would have been mature enough of a Christian? In fact, I will say the next game... We actually lost the other game we won. We lost the other game. And I was much more pleasant. Much nicer and God had done a work and said, you know, just don't, you know, don't be mean. Be nice. Don't be too bad. And God's still working on me. But, but understand, that's what God expects from us. He expects us to be forgiving. He expects patience to flow out of us. It's a virtue that can flow out. What do you think it feels like to be your, that, your child, think about that little child that you have with you, or maybe they're older. What does it feel like when patience flows out of you? Now, what does it feel like when a short temper flows out of you? Think about a husband and a wife. What does it feel like when patience flows out of that person? And what does it feel like when it's a short temper? They're two opposites. One's a fruit and one's a rotten fruit. And what God's calling us to do today is not just with patience. That's the one I use as an example because that's been my week. But all of these fruit, God wants us to just flow from us. Stand to your feet this morning. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. Lord, I just ask this morning, Lord, that you would allow your sap, Lord God, of the Holy Spirit to flow through us, Lord. Lord, we are a unique creation, Lord God. We've been grafted into You, Lord. Your Spirit flows through us, Lord God. Your virtue that heals the nations, Lord, it flows in us, Lord. Lord, we have a sinful nature and we acknowledge that, Lord God. It's rotten fruit, Lord God. And Lord, we pray today, Lord, that You would work on Your people, Lord God. Your Spirit would so fill us, Lord God, that it flows, Lord God. Even when we meet our families for the holidays, Lord, even when we get the stress of the season, Lord God, I just pray that Your virtue would flow from Your people, Lord. Lord, I just pray that they would find a place at this altar, Lord God, a place in Your presence, Lord, where Your virtues can just begin to flow, Lord God. Begin to work on every shortcoming that